Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. It's your man Quez. I apologize. I meant to post more regularly. And I meant to post this past weekend, but stuff came up, such as life, c'est la vie. Uh, but I'm here now and ready to talk about some things. On this channel, we discuss a variety of things um, self improvement, um, becoming the best person you can be, uh, mental health to some degree as well as discussing free thought. Today's going to fit more in the free thought category. And it is, big topic of the day today is not falling for identitarian politics. It's not falling for, um, I guess, the sheep mentality, the herd mentality in any way or form, politically, socially, and culturally. Let's explore that. Let's do our thing. Let's see where things go. Let's have fun. Now, identity is insanely complex, you know. It is literally who you are as a person. It's literally how you function as a person. It's who you choose to represent yourself to the world as a person, who you choose to present yourself to yourself as a person. Um, I don't know if it's actually possible to escape identitarian politics like I was talking about in the previous uh, segment, but... I definitely think it's more, I definitely think you can not totally immerse yourself in them. Now, identitarianism is just another nice way of saying identity politics. And identity politics are politics now based on a factor of, well, your identity. Um, that could be your race, your gender identity, your sex, um, your sexual orientation, your economic class, your nation of origin, basically identifying yourself through the lens of something um, that is a part of yourself and using that part to become a major part of your identity. Now, I think the danger of becoming an identitarian, at least in my mind, I'm no political mastermind, I'm no deep philosopher or whatever, so I might be saying a whole bunch of nonsense and stupid shit, who knows, I might be putting my foot in my mouth in a big way. But I, I'm trying to find the right way to say it. Um, in my mind, identitarianism is dangerous. Because instead of fostering and creating an identity based around the unique traits that make you, you, and around the special traits that make you different from everybody, you're choosing to identify yourself as, let's say, for example, a black person. I'm guilty of this because I spoke about this in the first first episode where I addressed myself and said, oh, I, I didn't feel a part of the world because I'm black or whatever, or uh, pansexual or whatever I've chosen to say in that first episode. And um, I think that kind of thinking is generally quite damaging now. I, I It's been a long, long week. <laughs> um, but it's just, I look at that kind of thinking as counterproductive. You know, as the world gets smaller and smaller and smaller, in some parts of the world, we are becoming more rigid. We're becoming more prone to identitarianism. We're becoming more prone to marking ourselves on the basis of things that aren't even important or are even imaginary, such as race. You know, uh, racial pride, racial identity, racial unity, these kinds of things that don't really make sense in the grand scheme of things on any front, really, in my opinion at the end of the day, but it is what it is. Now, let's have a nuanced conversation here. 
I can understand why, let's say, a black or Native American person in America or a Latino person, a person who's generally disenfranchised in some way, ethnically or racially, would have a sort of, you know, pride about the accomplishments of the group that they have been attributed to. Um, and I can understand that. I can understand a desire for unity amongst the, that group of people. But at the same time, I mean, just in the greater scheme of things, the bigger, bigger picture, does it, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. I don't know. And uh, what's prompting me to say this, you know what I'm saying? What's prompting me to say this is there's this new movement, right? In the, the, the political world of black people things called the African, no, the American Descendants of Slavery Movement. I'm actually very much in support of it. I think that black people in America, especially the descendants of slaves, should have a political agenda, an economic agenda. I think they should have, you know, something going for themselves as a group. And I, again, that potentially defies everything I just said about identitarianism being stupid, but I sympathize rather, maybe then agree with the idea. I sympathize with the idea of having an agenda economically, politically, and socially for yourselves to prop yourselves up. But at the same time, I see the rhetoric, some of the rhetoric dissolves, devolves into masturbatory ethnic fighting. And what I mean by that is I see black Americans fighting with Caribbeans, fighting with black Europeans, fighting with Africans, and I just see back and forth about how one group is better than the other, and one group is more important, and one group has more relevance, and one group, um, you know, matters more than the other group, and how one group is more impactful, and it made my fucking head hurt, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you know? And infighting amongst different ethnic groups of people is not new. I have friends who are Latino who tell me the same thing happens where they say apparently Cubans aren't too keen on Mexican people and Puerto Ricans aren't too keen on uh, people from Honduras or whatever. I'm not sure if that's 100%. That's exactly true. But generally, there's that same kind of thing. In the Asian community, I've heard it's the same thing. Chinese people really don't fuck with Vietnamese people like that, to my understanding. I don't know if that's all the way true, but it's the same idea. Everyone fights people to around in the same way and that's understandable tribalism is a very human trait and i think at the end of the day all identitarianism is, is just tribalism of sort um look at me look at my tribe you know look at me and my tribe you know whether that tribe is ethnic or racial or based on the fact that you are male or female or based on the fact that you are gay or straight or transgender or poor or rich or whatever you've decided to align yourself with. And again, like I said, it just sounds so fucking stupid. Oh, like I I sound exhausted by it, frankly. And I, I kind of, I kind of am. I kind of am. I, I know it's kind of a random thing to just bring up out of nowhere, but I see the way the world is. And in the greater scheme of things, I think it's part of why America is the way it is, the way it is right now. Same thing with um, uh, Europe, parts of Africa that are still embroiled in racial tension and post-colonial stupidity, uh, namely South Africa, I guess Namibia to an extent, um, you know, this kind of, oh, you know, 
the talk of things like white genocide and those kinds of things. I know I'm probably not being super coherent, but I guess my end-all be-all is, like I said in one episode, why can't we just all figure out a way to at least come together for more meaningful purposes? You know what I'm saying? There's this uh, chart I saw about spiral dynamics. And spiral dynamics discuss the concept of human social evolution. And one of the interesting factors about spiral dynamics is there, there's levels and layers to it. For example, at the most basic level, there is the person who is, you know, the tribalist, basically. Uh, he or she is someone who sees importance in their piece of land, their race. You know, I'm not going to break it down specifically. I don't even have it in front of me right now, which is pretty stupid, I guess. But we're here. Um, but basically, so people have pride in their little ethnic piece of land, their little cultural piece of land, their little identitarian piece of land. Now, identitarianism is, according to the spiral dynamic, is pretty low-frequency thinking, you know, especially at the level of nationalism, racialism, you know, um, patriarchy or whatever, you know, these various isms and archies that really don't mean a damn thing in the grand scheme of human progression, you know. Because when we come together as one, the world becomes a much better place, becomes a much more productive place, much more holistic place. And that's at the top of the spiral dynamic is, I think it's the color purple. And the color purple represents a global citizen, someone who understands the need for different cultures, for different perspectives, and also the need for different voices in a conversation. Not everyone is going to say the same thing. For example, your unique voice should be used to say the unique things that you want to say and should say. Someone else's unique voice should be used to say the things that they want to say. And I thought that was a really cool concept. Because I think Trump won because of shit like that. I don't like Trump. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I do. Um, but I think at the same time, when you spend all your time berating his supporters and trying to understand why they think the way they think, that created the situation as well. A lot of Trump supporters I met have this big chip on their shoulder like, oh, people don't like me because I like Trump. Yeah, this is what we're living in. This is America. It's anti-white. It's anti-this. At the end of the day, I think that's not true, but I think that's what the, the, the narrative people tell themselves to make themselves feel better about being ostracized in some way, you know? Um, and feel better about being attacked. It's the same thing I see in some members of the black community in this country, for myself personally. Um, black Americans and Africans included, there's a sort of chip on their shoulder about, yes, our identity is, is, is centered around the suffering we experienced. So it's like colonialism or slavery or whatever, or Jim Crow or whatever, is going to make the entirety of how you identify yourself in relation to the rest of the world. Oh, they owe me something. Not that I'm saying that's how all black people think. That's something how most, even if most black people think. But I'm saying there's a subset of people who have created this entire identity around fuck these white people, fuck everybody, fuck other black people too. In just this weird victim complex thing that doesn't make sense to me. And it's weird to me. It's really fucking weird to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and like I said, it's, it's not just black people, but that's my first point of reference because I am black, but it's everybody, you know, everybody's the same way. Even, what was it? The most recent story. I'm going to be very careful about how I say this. The Ilhan Omar thing 
where she was talking about how Israel is funded by wealthy American Jews. That's a whole can of worms I'm not too well educated on, so I'm not going to go too into it. But this the whole pissing match of Jews versus Arab Muslims. It's so stupid. It's a piece of land. I get it. It's a holy land. It means everything to you. Holocausts and, and, and suffering and wars and imperialism and... I get it. I get it. There's so much nuance to these things. I, I Maybe I'm just so simple, but it frustrates me. It actually legitimately frustrates me. This isn't even a political podcast. This is just an emotional running on fumes podcast right now. I don't know. Humans confuse me so deeply. They confuse me so goddamn deeply. We will kill each other. You know? In the name of lands and gods we've never even seen before. But then we'll turn around and dismiss each other who we can see. It always reminds me of a part of the Bible. And that was a very insightful part of the Bible. If there is this, if the Christian God does exist, that's very insightful of it to have ever said anything of this nature. But the Christian God is alleged to have said, and it's written in the Bible somewhere, I forget where it is. But how can you love me but not your neighbor? You can't even see me, but you can see your neighbor. You don't even like him or her. That was deep, even as a kid, because it, it made a lot of sense, you know? I grew up in this religious household. People treat each other so fucking poorly, you know? And it's for the purpose of appeasing the ego, you know? This idea that I'm special. Even growing up, I mean religious. There's an element of tribalism in that too, isn't there? You know, it's like this idea of, oh, yes, we're going to go to heaven because God cho chose us and we're special and we pray and we fast and we do, we're special. God will choose us to heaven. And even within Christianity, there are different kinds of Christians and there's like Catholics and Mormons and pro pro Protestants and, you know, and even within that world, there, there's division. And I think maybe my, my frustration is just in the truth that I don't understand human nature. Maybe that human nature is tribalistic by its inherent nature. Maybe that it is prone to division. You know, it's prone to separating instead of, you know, collectivizing. Maybe that's the way human nature is. And I, I can't begrudge people for that. Um, if that's their nature. But it just confounds me. Because that's not the way I function. That's not the way I look at things. And again, I'm going to say it. I'm an idealist. You know? I'm an idealist. Um, and maybe that's also not a great position to take in a world that is far from ideal or far from perfect. But it just confounds me so deeply how we can live in this world and just seek to find division after division after division after division after division amongst each other. I'm guilty of this too. I'm guilty as fuck of this too. Uh, just trying to find every reason why I'm different from somebody or better or less than from somebody in my own neurotic mind. And yeah. Gotta cut that shit out, man. I don't know. I don't even have anything wise or witty to say about that shit. It just, I guess it just bothers me. And I guess identitarianism, I guess it's just so unhealthy. I think my message for this whole thing is just seek to be the person who seeks the beauty in differences and sees the beauty in multiple voices and sees the beauty in every potential culture. Who can also see the flaws in every culture as well. That's important too. 
but who sees the beauty and the capability and the strength in everything, as well as being able to, you know, scrutinize everything fairly and has equality in their minds and is genuinely about empowering people, regardless of whether they fit your tribe, fit into your tribe, regardless of whether they appease or stroke your identitarian nature as a human, you know. But hey, that's my little ramble. I don't know if it was worth anything, but it was something. And I guess it's just, it's just frustrating, I think, to live in a world um, and see all the ways that people manage to separate themselves and segregate themselves. Because at the end of the day, I'm kind of an existentialist in, this, in the sense of Satre, where nothing has to be the way it is. It's like one of the examples I saw in a video about Satre was like, why do you sit on a table? Like, you're, okay, so you're eating chicken for dinner at your table with your family. Why are you and your family getting together around this suspended wooden plank thing to eat pieces of roasted animal carcass for your evening meal? Why are you having an evening meal? Why don't you eat all your meals during the daytime and stop eating during the evening? Or why don't you eat all your meals during, you know, it's kind of that same idea. Why are you doing, why are we doing things a certain way? Is it because we've been taught them or is it because of our nature? And at the end of the day, I don't think it has to be the way it is. I think human people, it's more of a nurture thing. I think people are taught to divide amongst each other. I think people are taught to separate amongst each other. I think people are taught to view each other as adversaries now, more than ever before, which is strange because I think we've come so far, you know? We recently celebrated Dr. King's birthday. We've come so far that we shouldn't be having these same discussions about race and culture and and, and gender and, and sexuality over and over again, politics and uh, social, socioeconomics and class and all of these things. We shouldn't be having these continued debates over the same shit again and again and again and again, but maybe we're not as far along as we think we are. And I think maybe that's the... Maybe that's the... admission that will get us to move farther than we are now. We're not as evolved as we think we are, and we're still prone to the same neuroses that have kept us crippled as a culture, you know, as various cultures, you know. Um, I just love people, I respect people, you know, and I want to see the world work out for a better thing, and these are the musings of an idealist. <laughs> Perhaps that should be the, the name of this channel, the musings of an idealist, but, yeah, um, Definitely. I think we just need to do better in that regard, you know, just do better in that regard. How to be a free thinker. This is my favorite part of the show today. I think all my life, I for myself have been a people pleaser. And it's kind of like I made that episode, um, stop giving a damn what people think. That's great. That's dandy. But uh, what do you do after you stop giving a damn what people think? How do you take that energy and manifest into something positive and meaningful? And I think the, the, the truth is you have to become, at least in my mind, um, a free thinker. How does one become a free thinker? I think there are several logical steps to becoming a free thinker. I'm on this path myself. Um... 
I think there's kind of a cliche, I think there's kind of a cliche way of being a free thinker, going out and trying to be weird and avant-garde and, you know, presenting yourself as a weird individual. I think that's a lot of the people my age in our early 20s do that kind of thing. When the reality situation is being a free thinker has nothing to do with the way you dress or talk. It can be part of those things, but really has to do with the way you view the world, how you view yourself, how you view people, how you view society. Uh, the first step in my mind was to question my own thoughts and beliefs, you know, to question my own thoughts and beliefs. That was a huge part of it. Um, I had all these superstitious spiritual beliefs, you know, these kind of pseudo religious beliefs. I had all these beliefs about people, you know, being good, kind human beings, or some days it would shift to being horrible human beings, and I had to kind of really examine myself and examine my own biases, you know? And it was difficult. It was difficult. Questioning your own beliefs is deeply uncomfortable because it's questioning also your biases and you're also questioning part of yourself. Your thoughts are not yourself. Your beliefs are not necessarily yourself, but they do connect to your value system. And your value system is how you define yourself in relation to the world. And so that was very complicated initially. Very complicated, not too easy. In some ways painful, you know, sitting here understanding that my belief in the supernatural comes from a desire to have belong to something bigger. And that's the truth about us human beings. We always want to belong to something bigger, you know. Uh, my belief in human beings being either good or bad it comes from the idea of wanting to belong in some way, shape, or form, or trying to justify my reason for not belonging amongst other human beings. So I realized a lot of my value system was based upon how other people feel about me. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to belong with people, so I assumed that they were all good, caring people. Then when that didn't work out, they were all horrible human beings, and that's why I didn't, I didn't belong, because I'm a good human being. And even then I had to question that idea. What makes me a good human being? What, what are morals? Are morals subjective? Are, what are they based upon? You know, that was a large part of it. So questioning my own beliefs was a huge part of kind of stepping into this area of free thinking and understanding is, it's kind of like, do I have the right ideas? Are my beliefs correct? Sounds very basic. It is very basic in a lot of ways. But it's huge. If you can question your own beliefs, you can question a lot of things. You know, um, the next step, I think, is questioning the, the things you digest. You know, it kind of goes back to the, to the way I was saying you have to question uh, the way things work, like Sartre did in his uh, book Existentialism um, and in his philosophy, Socrates to Existentialism. But you have to c question everything you digest, the people you surround yourself with, the authority that you bow before or respect. That includes family authority figures, it includes police, it includes, you know, principals and, uh, you know, businesses, workplaces, governments, everything, you know? You have to look at that objectively and ask yourself, are they using their authority correctly? And then even ask yourself again, what does that mean to use authority correctly? Because that is, again, your biases coming into play. You know, I'm not saying being a free-thinking person means you're some sort of f person who's fried in the brain who just doesn't know anything and has no opinions. You should have your opinions, but you should always question your opinions and always review your opinions and see where they're going. 
I think a true free thinker is someone whose mind is always evolving and growing and moving in interesting ways. And I think, frankly, our society has not been a nurturing place for free thinkers, frankly. I think our society has been a place that nurtures um, um, sorry, some people in my dorm are acting out. But basically, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, being a free thinker is about constantly evolving in your thinking to become a better in person each day. There is no final destination. It's all about the journey of free thought and experiencing new ideas, new experiences, and seeing the world from new perspectives other than your own in an attempt to try and maintain balance, nuance, and kind of a thoughtfulness about the world around you. And so that was something that I thought was very interesting, you know. The other thing that a lot of free thinkers do is they read a lot. So instead of just questioning everything and asking questions, you also have to answer, get a lot of answers too. So the thing I've started to try to do is read books by people I don't even agree with, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at Larry Elder, I'm reading, I'm trying to read some of his books too. I'm trying to listen to some of his literature. And like I said, I don't agree with like 60, 70% of the shit stuff that Larry Elder says, but I respect him for being eloquent about it, coming with facts and saying the things that he believes in with conviction. And then I try to understand why he believes these things. You know what I'm saying? And then I question my own beliefs that I've had about things like race, politics, political correctness, uh, social norms that he writes about frequently, you know? And that's interesting to me as well. Um, so that is a big part of it too. You know, I'm not drearing on and being boring, but this, this really interests me. Uh, keeping an open mind is a huge part of it too, in my opinion. And you need to be open-minded to the world around you, you know? Um, it's not easy. You know, I admit I'm guilty of this too, where I shut down when I hear something I don't like or I turn away from something I don't want to hear. But more and more frequently, I'm listening. I'll watch YouTube videos by conservative thinkers that I don't usually agree with. I'll watch YouTube videos of people I don't usually agree with. I'll listen to libertarian ideas. I'll I'll take a, a go um, listening to people I, I normally wouldn't agree with. You know what I'm saying? And I'll try to understand why certain people have certain ideas. Now, there, I think there's kind of a, a spot you have to be careful about. Because even then, I was, I was looking at someone like Jared Taylor. Jared Taylor's a known white supremacist. And I was curious, like, why does he think the way he thinks? I watched a couple of interviews of his. I read some articles by him. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm probably on a watch list or something now. But I was watching these Jared Taylor interviews, and I was just like, you know, it's, again, interesting why he thinks the way he does. And I think it's important we understand why he thinks the way he does without legitimizing his ideas, which are, in my mind, and in a lot of people's minds, racist and horrible and bigoted and violent, at least at the core of what they are. Same thing with Richard Spencer. It's, it's a curiosity more than anything else as to why, why do these guys think the way they think instead of trying to sit there and legitimize their thoughts. And I think being a free thinker requires you to look at the world and try to understand, because I think the function of a free thinker, in my mind, is to make the world a better place. The function of a free thinker is to make the world um, more whole, 
more sensible, you know? The function of a free thinker is to provide new ideas and perspectives and originality in ways that I don't think we've seen before. You know, there's that saying that there's nothing really original under the sun, but I think that while there is nothing purely original under the sun, you can take things that have been meditated on and thought about before by other people and really twist them and turn them and make them something great and, and new and unique, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about growing, not only yourself, but other people. Um, I'm using a bunch of self-improvement apps right now, which talk about when you become a better person, the world around you and the people in your life will become better people, too, because they're being influenced by you. Whether you can tell that or not, whether you see that or not, it's happening, at least to some degree. Um, so, yeah, that's one part of that. Being a free thinker, I think the hardest part is disconnecting your emotions from some of the things you're reading. Because I think emotions are what prevent us from looking at things open-mindedly and logically, too. Um, it's realizing that your feelings don't necessarily have primacy in your life again. I think I said that in another episode. But um, your feelings don't necessarily have primacy. What does have primacy is the way you view the world, your perspectives. These are more important. You know, and your openness to new experiences are more important. And your openness to new knowledge is more important than how you feel about certain things, I think. Not to say feelings are irrelevant, but I think in this culture now, a large part of the problems that exist is people have put such a large premium on feelings and how they feel and what they, they, they think. Even if the thoughts and feelings are self-destructive and indulgent, they will promote the thoughts and feelings and will engage them endlessly and recklessly. So being a free thinker, I think, also requires you to be very calm, very collected, you know, uh, very cool in the sense that you just have to sometimes detach your emotional perspective from certain things. And also, you have to be able to examine very complicated things from, from very nuanced perspectives, I think. For example, I myself, it's not easy, I think. I think in a lot of ways, I was a very identitarian college liberal kind of guy and I'm seeing the flaws in that way of thinking I'm seeing the flaws in that way of um in how pop liberalism does a disservice to a lot of people and I'm seeing how it would be better for us to have honest discussions about things such as rape culture it would be more honest of us to have things like honest conversation about things like police killings and maybe why are these things happening maybe you know it's not as black or white no pun intended as it seems, you know, and I could go into that forever and ever and a variety of issues, but I think the big problem is that being a free thinker, you also have to be able to admit you're wrong. There has to be a level of humility as well, and there has to be a level of being open to admit you're wrong, and I think try new things and hear new things and be corrected, to take advice from people and so to open your mind to, to places you never to places you never imagined you'd go and to, to things you never imagined that you'd entertain. You know, I think that's tough. It's admittedly difficult, but I think it makes the world stronger. I think it makes people better. Um, again, I've been on this journey of free thinking for the past couple months, and I don't think I'm any... 
more potent intellectually than I was a couple months ago. But I definitely feel like I can make my own decisions. I definitely feel like I have more opinions. And when I do form my opinions, there's more of an educated process about it. It's not just, well, this is how I feel. So this is what we're doing. It's kind of like I think I weigh out things and I measure the the, the pros and cons of taking a position. And I... um. Not only look for the greater good, but also the truth, for the facts, you know? I look for the facts. So, again, it's not easy, but that's probably going to be a larger part of this podcast from here on out. It's just discussing the concept of free thought and free thinking and protecting things like freedom of speech and freedom of expression everywhere. Um, No matter how complicated, no matter how ugly and awkward it might be. Um, But, yeah. Free thinking, I think, and being able to be an educated individual in a variety of ways and forms and in various disciplines will make people in the world a much brighter place and much happier thing, you know? But that's just my thought. All right. I'm sorry if this episode was a bit disorganized, if it was a bit seat of the pants. It kind of (laughs) was. But, um... I was glad to make another episode. We'll talk more regularly. Please comment uh, questions, concerns, ideas for things that we should discuss. Um, Anything you'd like to see, collaborations you'd like to see, if that's such a thing. Um, Please comment. I would love to hear your thoughts. I've been doing this for a second now, and I don't really know too much of my audience, which I think is concerning in some ways and also a bit frightening. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's been a great episode was fun making this uh hit me up and tell me what you think and uh yeah this is the zuvenine podcast with your man quez good evening uh good morning and good afternoon let's get it